Thank you. Well, good morning. Today we are continuing the sermon series we kicked off back in June, uh, making our way through portions of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, as as we've seen, uh, when you first read through it, it can be a little bit of a downer. Can it kind of kind of be a little bit of a depressing book at times because the, the author of Ecclesiastes, who most people think was Solomon, uh, makes these observations, uh, draws conclusions, gives advice uh, about the things he's experienced in life and the things he sees in the world around him. And so far we've seen in these, these first few chapters that life is temporary and brief. Well, we all know that. That life really isn't always fair. That we have little control over what happens. That uh, most of what we do is going to be forgotten after we're gone. Uh, kind of a downer of a book at times, isn't it? And because of this, this brief nature of life, uh, Solomon, the author, talks about the things that he pursued uh, to find meaning and purpose in life. Because he knew it was short. And he describes how he pursued uh, wine, women, and song, pleasure. How he pursued uh, education and intellectual pursuits, the big questions of life. How he pursued work, how he tried to leave a legacy through achievements and civic projects and all sorts of things through, establish- through accumulating lots and lots of wealth. And he tried all these things and he said, ultimately, they're, they're like smoke. They're meaningless. They're, they're like a vapor. You, you, can, you can see them for a moment. You can smell them perhaps. Uh, maybe you can touch them for, for a while, but eventually they're nothing to build your life on and they just disappear at some point and you're left wanting more. You know, you're, you're left empty, wondering what the purpose and meaning of life is. And so far, uh, what we've seen, uh, Solomon has come to this same conclusion over and over again. In light of all these things, he says, live your life, enjoy life, eat, work, drink. And he says, honor God and worship God, because this is the true meaning in life. Now, today we come to a passage towards the end of Ecclesiastes. We're kind of jumping around here a little bit. But towards the end, in chapter 11, we're going to read the first six verses. And these first six verses, um, they kind of stand out because they're different from a lot of the rest of the, 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 the book. It, it's more of uh, the first few verses are more about economic issues, uh, material issues, agricultural issues. But then we're going to move from that to spiritual applications. So before we go to that, though, I'm going to offer a short prayer. Lord, we are grateful for this day. And we ask that your word would come alive to us, that you, Lord, would challenge us, correct us, assure us, uh, whatever is needed in our lives to make us more and more lined up with your values and, and whatever is needed to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now, if you travel to Cairo, Egypt, you can visit an abandoned graveyard at the end of an alley strewn with garbage. And at the end of this alley, is that there's a cemetery. If you look in the cemetery, you'll find a gravestone. And on the gravestone, it says this, William Borden, 1887, died 1913. Short life. William Borden was educated at Yale and Princeton. He became a Christian under the ministry of, of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist at the turn of the century. He was heir to the Borden Dairy Estate, which was worth a fortune. But he gave it all away out of a desire to share the gospel for those who have never heard it before. So he decided to become a missionary to the Muslim people who lived in China. And he gave his 
whole fortune away, millions of dollars away, when he was 21. His father told him he would never work in the company again. He traveled to Egypt for missionary training. While he was there, he contracted spinal meningitis, and he died at the age of 25 before he had ever even gotten to China. And really all that's left of his life in this, is, this, is this gravestone in an abandoned cemetery at the end of a garbage-lined alley in Cairo, Egypt. He risked everything, took a step of faith, and it seems like he lost it all. Now, the story I just told seems like it could come right out of the book of Ecclesiastes because it's, again, it's a downer. It's, it's kind of depressing. You could hear this story and say, justify saying something like, hey, you know, that's why you don't take big risks. That's why you don't go to the mission field. That's why you should step back and, and be more cautious about life. Don't take this God thing too seriously. See what happens if you do. You know, people tend to fall into two categories broadly, risk takers and play it safers. And those who jump first and ask questions later, some of you are like that. You know, you see the water, you don't ask how cold or how deep you just jump in. Some of you are more cautious. You dip, you, you dip your toe into the water, you wade up till it's maybe mid-torso, and then and only then do you dip your head beneath the water. Most of us tend one way or the other, and that's just the way we are, either because of our personalities, you know, or because of our experiences that we've had in life. Now, given the message of Ecclesiastes so far, a person who's a risk taker could say, ah, whatever, it's a crapshoot, you know, so I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and do what I want when I want, take risks. It's all meaningless in the end. And they take more and more risk until it seems like they don't care about anyone or anything, or a person who's cautious could say, life is uncertain and scary, so I'm going to play it safe. And they never take any risk. And it seems that all they care about is being safe and keeping theirs. And they become more and more paranoid and separated from people and insecure. And fear rules their life in the end. How are we to live in light of the vagaries and the uncertainties of life? Should we play it safe or should we take risk? That's the question this passage answers. And I believe as we look at it, it's going to help us find a balance between the two extremes that I just described. Let's pick it up in verse 1. I'll be making my way through. It'll be on the screen behind me. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Now, when Ecclesiastes was written, Israel had been transformed from a small, you know, agricultural nation, kind of barely hanging on, surrounded by the powers of Egypt and Assyria. And now they're right in the middle of a, of a major trading route between Europe and Asia and Egypt. And so there are lots of opportunities. If you're Israelite with a little bit of something, a little bit of, you know, kind of a, a little bit of, a, you know, some, some nerve, you could make some investments and maybe you could make a lot of money. Or you could lose your shirt. Which is what we see in chapter 5, if you, when we look at that later. There, there's a guy who risks everything and loses it all in a bad venture. So what are we should to do? Well, in verse 1, we're told, take a risk. Engage in international trade. Wait for the goods to return and the ships to return with fine goods from foreign lands. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, is the saying. He says, get out there and make something happen. In verse 2, it continues the thought, but adds a condition. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So, again, we have this element of risk. And you can see what he's saying here. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, which, you know, uh, if you're a wise farmer, for instance, 
you don't just plant one crop. You have more than one crop. You have some livestock, perhaps. Maybe you have some side business on the side. You sell seed corn or, or whatever. You do some custom cutting. You, you diversify your investments. You don't just put your eggs in one basket because you could lose everything. But if you invest your eggs in several baskets, you know, some of them are probably going to fail, but some of them, you know, your ship might come home. Take risk, we're told. Take them wisely. Then he gives us some perspective in the next verse. Verse 3. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Here's what he's saying. We know some things. As we look around life, as we experience things, if clouds are full of water, then we know it's going to rain. If a tree falls, we may not know which way it's going to fall, but we know once it's fallen, it's not getting back up. There are some things we can know for sure. And so we should study the way things work, and then we should invest wisely. Next, he tells us what not to do. Verse 4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So some people don't struggle with taking too many risks. Some are so risk-averse that they wait for conditions to be perfect before they try anything. So the picture he gives us is a farmer who's waiting for the perfect conditions to sow his seed. You know, he doesn't want it to be too windy because if he casts the seed, something's going to blow or it's going to be all in one place or other places, not, not any. And so he's waiting for the perfect conditions. But the teacher says, at some point, you just have to take the risk because you're not going to ever have perfect conditions. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. If you don't take a risk, you won't do anything with what God has given you. Here's the conclusion in verses 5 and 6. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that or whether both will do equally. So he's saying, just do it. The conditions are never going to be perfect, so sow your seed, work hard in the morning, work hard at night, take risk. How does this apply for us spiritually? Many of us are sitting here this morning, and we're waiting for the perfect conditions to take a step of faith. When I have this much money in the bank, then I'm going to be generous. When they come to me with questions about faith in Jesus, then I'll share my faith. You know, when life slows down and, and, you know, and these things happen in my life, I can check these things off the the box, the list, then, then I can, you know, get serious about my faith. Then, then I can do what I know God has been wanting me to do for a long time, but I'm waiting for the right, the perfect conditions. If we write, wait for the perfect conditions, we'll never do anything for God. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 25. I shared this a few weeks ago. It, it's one of the parables that sticks with me because it's so true and because it's, it's pretty sobering. Because I don't want it to be me. Jesus tells a parable about a master with servants. And he gives these servants money to invest. And he says, I'm going to go away on a long trip. When I come back, I want to see what you've done with my 
investments, the things I've given you. And so he comes back, and two of them have invested wisely. They have a return for what the master has entrusted to them. But one, one played it safe. He, he was too cautious. He didn't want to lose it. He, he played it safe. He just held on to what he had. He didn't take any risk. And the master was incredibly harsh with him. He squandered the opportunity he had to do something with what his master had given him. We cannot wait for the perfect conditions to take a step of faith for God. Now, this may be one of the easiest passages in Ecclesiastes to explain, but let's be honest, it's one of the hardest ones to apply, isn't it? I mean, life and ministry are risky. And when I say ministry, we're all, everybody who claims the name of Christ, you are a minister. You all have been given a ministry to do. And there are risks in using the gifts that God has given you. There are risks to sharing your faith. There's a risk in having children. There's a risk in going against the current in the world. There's a risk in giving financially to support ministries. There's the risk in going to the mission field. There's a risk in almost everything that we do. And we are prone to play it safe. You know, whenever we look at scriptures, it's good to ask what part of our you know, fallen nature is this passage addressing? In this case, I think this passage is confronting our fears. We are prone to fear. I don't like to think of myself as a particularly fearful person, but I've discovered over the years in certain areas that I tend to worry. What's at the case of what's at the root of worry? It's fear, right? I can't control the outcome. I'm afraid this is going to happen. We can spend our entire lives running scared, more fearful of events and people, what might happen to us than we are of God, our creator. You see, God calls us to live lives of holy boldness. Holy meaning we are set apart. We are consecrated for purposes, for special purposes that he, you know, um, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that we are created to do good works that he's prepared for us to do them in advance. And boldness, we are to be bold people, people of faith. And if you look at that Matthew 25 passage, you'll see that Jesus is, is, is teaching about we are to take bold risks for our master. So let me ask you, what has God called you to do that you have not done because of fear? It's something you know you should do. It's something you know you need to change in your life, eliminate from your life, something you need to start or pick back up again. What has God called you to do that you haven't done because of fear? If God calls you to do something, he will give you what you need to do it. We are simply called to step out in faith, to be faithful with what he's given us. You see, we need to understand that the results are in God's hands. We are not in charge of results. We are in charge of being faithful with what God has given us. The rest is up to God, which is a huge relief. You know, I began with a story of William Borden. He risked, and it looked like he lost everything, that it was all worthless in the end. But after his death, Borden's Bible was found and given to his parents. In it, they found in one place the words, no reserve, 
and a date placing the note shortly after he renounced his fortune in favor of missions. At a later point, he had written no retreat, dated shortly after his father told him he would never let him work in the company ever again. Shortly before he died in Egypt, he added the phrase, no regrets. He risked, but he risked it for God. He was faithful and he left the rest up to God. Another story about a missionary. Missionary Karen Watson was killed in Iraq, and she wrote this letter in 2003, about a year before she died. She wrote, Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. And she goes on to thank them for their support and their prayers and what the church has meant to her over the years and what she's learned. Gives some instructions for a funeral service, and then she shares this challenge. She writes, The Missionary Heart. And I think it's appropriate for us because we're all called to be missionaries. We all have a mission. We're all to be a part of the mission of God. She wrote, care more than some think is wise. Risk more than some think is safe. Dream more than some think is practical. Expect more than some think is possible. Life is short, Ecclesiastes says. It's going to have good times. It's going to have bad times. We have little control over what happens. Much of what we do is going to be long forgotten. In a hundred years, most of us will just be a name in a, a family tree. Only what we do for God, only what we risk for God will remain. So step out in faith, take risk, invest wisely. Don't wait for the perfect conditions. Be bold and faithful for God. I conclude with this verse. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor will not be in vain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be your people. You've called us to follow your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to do that. Forgive us when we are fearful. Forgive us when we are rash. Lord, help us to, to take risk wisely and boldly and to take those risks for you and your kingdom. Grow within us, Lord, a, a holy boldness that we might found, be found faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we respond to the word we just received?